What's up, guys? This is Aljamain, the Funk Master Sterling, and you guys are listening to Mike Sappho's podcast. Aljo, finally. What's going on, my guy? Hey, how's it going? <laughs> no, listen, I've scheduled podcasts with astronauts, travel people, people located in Asia and Africa with more ease than scheduling with you. Why is that possible? I don't know, man. I'm, my schedule is really all over the place. I'm training twice a day, coaching kids, and doing a little bit of the real estate thing. It's it's a little tough to uh, sometimes a little tough to track myself. Aljo, today was awesome. I texted you. I'm like, bro, you want a podcast today? And you're like, Mike, uh, you said Tuesday. I'm like, guy, it's Tuesday. You didn't even know it's Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> That's uh, that's how busy I get, man. It's crazy. You know the real reason I don't want to come out there? I have a state-of-the-art studio here in Times Square. We have the private bar. I don't want to go out to Long Island because then I'm forced to hang out with Bermudez, and that's not fun for anybody. You you feel me on that, right? <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, he's enjoying the retirement life now these days. <laughs> hey, as I was walking to the studio today uh, to podcast with you, I went on your Instagram quick. And I scrolled down, kind of like a psycho stalker, seeing some old shit about you. What's with you and the Pistons? Are you a Pistons fan, or you were just practicing with them? What's up with that? Don't tell me you're rooting for them. No, you know, it's tough to say. I, uh, I was never. I'm not really a bas- huge basketball fan like I used to be back in the days growing up because that was what I lived and breathed, you know. But um, it was just one of those things. We got the opportunity to cross train with them via the UFC, and it was myself. Stipe, Mayoche, Kevin Lee, Ryan LaFleur, and um, there was one other guy. Like Forrest Griffin came out with us, and we all got to hang out, cross train, and you know, work with some of the players and do some things like that, some basketball drills, and I got to relive my hoop dreams all over again. <laughs> Every interview, podcast, or everything you do is about the UFC. Obviously, we're going to talk mixed martial arts. Are you into other sports? Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's just these days I don't get to watch as much as I used to. MMA kind of consumes my life. It's, if you watch an MMA event, and if you're a true MMA fan, you're you're probably going to be able to watch from the early prelim cards, the very first fight of the night, all the way to the main event. And that's usually me. So I'm I'm glued to the TV from about six six thirty to whenever that last fight is going to be. So that's like a six hour window just watching straight on UFC fights, you know. So. It doesn't really allow me enough of that luxury time in between training to go watch other sports. But I do try to catch the, like, the recaps and things like that. But I'm a big Giants fan, mm-hmm. um, even though we've been kind of embarrassing these last few years. But uh, <laughs> I'm hoping this year is the year. You know, that's what we always say. This year is the year. And you're a big travel guy too, right? Oh, yeah, 100%. 100%. Anytime I can get some uh, – get an opportunity to go travel and see a different place I, I, t- I take full advantage of that especially with my schedule as soon as the fight's over i try to uh unwind and when i don't have to worry about someone trying to separate me from my consciousness you know uh i think it's the best time to travel and i don't i it's weird man when i when i if i travel when i have a fight coming up or if i haven't fought in a while say two months and i haven't fought i just know something's going to come up and I, I start to get anxiety, like uh, if I travel, I'm out of shape, I'm not going to be ready, and that type of stuff keeps me from uh, keeps me from traveling when uh, when I'm too far out from my last fight. Now you went down to Jamaica after you uh, you went against Jimmy Rivera. You're Jamaican, right? 
Yeah, yeah. It was actually uh, not Jamaica, Cabo, Cabo after uh, the Jimmy Rivera fight. Okay, okay. So you're Jamaican. Let me ask you this. How heavy is your name down there? Rohan Marley, Bob's son, is on my show all the time. He just comes and just sits here and doesn't really even contribute. His name's big down there. <laughs> Whose name's heavier, you or Rohan Marley's at this point, considering you're kicking ass at UFC? Whose name's heavier now? You know what, man? He's a Marley, you know? I'm going to have to say it's him. He's still got the, uh, he's still got the ranks until I come down and, and bring uh, UFC Gold to the island. I think uh, things might change up a little bit. But for right now, he's definitely got the, uh, what do you call that thing? Uh, he got the prestige right now. He has a title now, yet. Yeah, he's got, he's got superiority over me. After the fight with that, with Rivera, it was huge on ESPN. Everyone watched that. How long does that take you mentally to decompress? Ah, it took a while, man. You know, there was a lot of bad blood build up for that fight, and we both, you know, we both, we both kind of uh, verbally jabbed at each other over the, the past five, six years, and uh, it, it's been a long time coming. So it was one of those fights where. It got to the point where they, we didn't we didn't need to talk trash anymore because we've done it for the past five six years. There's enough build up already, and it just got to that point where it was like uh, that one of those "I told you so" kind of uh, I guess satisfaction of whoever got the, their hand raised for that night. So for me to get my hand raised over a tough competitor like that, especially with both of us being Ring of Combat champions, both of us being Cage Fury champions, it uh, it weighed it it was a big one for me. So that was a a big moment. For me to kind of digest and uh it was the first person i beat in top five you know i stumbled twice three mm -hmm. times actually and uh to, for me to actually get that big marquee win has been huge and uh i'm looking forward to getting another one in a couple of weeks first cheat meal afterwards i know you go hard i know about the cutting of the weight you got to stay ripped up you got to stay in shape first cheat meal when you're done ah first cheat meal I mean, I'm I'm pretty good with like the burgers, the pastas. Um, it's hard to go pizza because if you're not in New York, then <laughs> I'm seen. But you know, I never I never neglect the pizza. It, it's really whatever is out there in front of me, man. I'll I'll pretty much eat whatever. But I definitely always always have chocolate, literally like right after the fight. That's that's a that's a must. Either I got cookies in the room or some type of uh, chocolate chips, some something. I got something in the room, Twix, Snicker bars, something. You know what I love about the UFC? You guys are the best self-promoters, especially on Twitter, social media, talking shit to other fighters to get the buzz going. Who have you been calling out lately? or who's been? Because, you know, your names it's heavy now. You flew up the rankings. Who else is calling you out? Interesting enough, I haven't seen a whole lot of people call me out of late. I think uh, the Rivera fight kind of put things in perspective for people that I'm not just a wrestler. I, I really can do it all. Mm -hmm. It's just more so I've been, you know, sticking to my strengths of just, you know, getting the fight where I'm most comfortable, which is on the mat, and where I, that's where I thrive, and, you know, the Sharks sharks come out to play. But um, <laughs> when I lost to Marlon, man, I had so many guys calling me out. I, I even had guys in the regional circuit call me out when I go to local fights. It was the most – it was kind of humbling, but – still embarrassing and at the same time kind of disrespectful but flattering it, it, it was all those feelings and emotions mixed in one and you know i it was just kind of one of those things like people saw that one fight and they kind of thought well they they had my number or they figured me out i'm like dude if you don't know what a fluke is when you see it then 
I, I feel bad for you when you step into that cage with me next because the next my next three opponents they all found out the hard way that it, I, I one I got a chin that was just one of those freak accidents mm-hmm. where I you know I just didn't see the I didn't see the knee and I shot into a kick and I, I ran face first into a knee and it hit me right on the button and it just happened to be one of those things it's like a car accident from two different directions the the, the collision course is just the impact it's almost exponential because of that because you got the two opposite forces coming from two different directions. And it's kind of one of those things, you know, maybe if I wasn't shooting and he threw the kick and it hit me in the knee, I probably wouldn't go out, but probably would hurt. Definitely probably would still hurt. But um, me shooting full speed face first right into a knee, that kind of, that you know, you don't really need to, to explain that if, if you understand physics or body mechanics, biomechanics at all. Um, yeah, man, but to answer your question, I had a lot of people call me out, but these days it doesn't seem like there's many called me out. Even Pedro Munoz called me out after that fight, and uh, he stopped calling me out, I think it was after, before the Cody Stammen fight, after I fought Brett Johns, he didn't call me out after that. Uh, Rob Font was calling me out, and he got smacked up, and it's just interesting to see how these guys get humbled after, uh, you know, they have their own, they have their own downfall. So you're fighting now June 8th, UFC Chicago, 238. I know you're fighting him, and you're ranked third, and he's ranked fourth in bantamweight. This is like the fight for you. This is the monster fight. The winner of this, you think you're going to get a title shot for this? Sure, man. I mean, anything's possible with the UFC. I, I would hope so. I would think number three and four fighting each other would solidify a number one, a true number one bantamweight contender, not some guy coming up from 125, but... um even though he is a champ at that weight, but I, uh, I think this is the one, man. You know that Jimmy Rivera fight put me in prime position. All I gotta do is go out there and and, and get a win. Try to be as dominant as I can to to state my claim for my rematch, whether it's with Marlon or a fresh match with uh, Henry Cejudo. How this fight how this fight happened with Pedro? Does he call you out? Do you get a call from an agent? Does someone from UFC call you and be like, "Hey, bud, we have a good matchup for you"? How does that work? Like the scheduling process. Uh, they call my manager, you know, it depends, you know, it really depends on the situation. When before, when I lost those two fights back to back, um, the split decisions to mm-hmm. Brian Carraway, then to Rafael Sunset, I was trying to stay as busy as possible, get it, stay as active as possible, try to get my name back in the mix of still being a, a, a true threat to the throne and a real contender and not being passed up because of two split decision losses that probably could have gone the other way depending on if there was another judge in there or not. Um, yeah, it's just it's just one of those things, man. I, I don't know. It's uh, I, I, I hope so. That's that's yeah, that's pretty much it. I hope so. Forget, this better be it. You know, I work too hard to not to not get my shot. Forget about. I know you can't travel while you're training and stuff. But a lot of your early fights, obviously, the close to home in Atlantic City. You went out to Vegas, Denver, Cali, Arizona, now Chicago. UFC has international dates. Uh, in Sweden's in June. <clears throat> I think Brazil. They just fought in Russia. Does stuff like that interest you? Trying one of those international fights, spending a couple weeks out there, or you really don't care where you fight. Uh, you know, I wanted to fight international before. I haven't had the chance. Um, I was actually supposed to fight in Australia with Al Iaquinta when he was the co-headliner against Ross Pearson. But then uh, my opponent actually pulled out of the fight as soon as I got off the plane, which was nuts. 
Um, Wait, you were in Aljo? You were in Australia and he pulled out. Yeah, we as soon as I got off the plane, my man, my then managers at the time called me and said he had to fight off, and uh, that kind of sucked. But uh, I was trying to get a replacement with some of the local talent there, but the the matchmakers didn't want to give me one of those fights because I guess they knew I was just gonna go out there and um, backpack whoever because they don't have wrestling like that. (laughs) Um, But. Whatever, you know, that was the one shot that I had to fight internationally. And then ever since then, it's just been all in the U.S. It, it would be a, a nice experience, but I do enjoy cutting. I don't, well, I don't enjoy cutting weight at all. But in terms of having some t- type of comfort and knowing the foods and types of thing mm-hmm. I can, types of things I can eat, it's a little bit easier when you're more familiar with those things than when you're traveling overseas to say or Brazil or Japan, and you got to kind of adapt with whatever is available and that's uh that that would be the tough part but i I like i like fighting in the states ideally how long do does it take for you to go into full beast mode training mode where your diet's on point training everything you do when do you fully get focused is it four weeks out six weeks out that it's complete shutdown and you just get fully engrossed in it well i i mean i like to think i'm fully fully indulged right now but at the same time this morning for breakfast well it wasn't for breakfast for for brunch i guess uh 12 o'clock i you know I, i'm starting to do this intermittent fasting thing oh i, I do i love it a, i love it yeah it's been good so far man mm-hmm. I, I i like the the way i feel when i do it and um to answer that question i actually had it was on sale last night I, me and my girlfriend went to the store and we ended up buying uh from stop stop and shop no shop right. We end up buying these half off sale uh, Hershey's cookies and cream bunny rabbits, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I bought two. Pa- I bought two packs of them. I bought two packs of them, and I bought some gelato. I had that last night, but then this morning, I did my intermittent intermittent fasting, and right before I hit pads at twelve thirty, I had some of the chocolate bars, and that was like my my sugar rush to kind of get me through the training. So a little bit of fuel before the workout, and. Uh, it was a good session, so that's always been my thing. Like I, I'll have like a little piece of chocolate or some type of little bit of candy when I'm dieting, and uh, that that normally helps me. Man, it helps me lose the weight a lot faster because I'm not eating a full-on meal and having my body have to digest X amount of calories. You know, it's a it's a one bar or a king size, whatever it is, and I go crush a workout, tons of water, and the weight just slides off. It, it might not be the most uh, nutritional thing to do, but you know what, man, it, <laughs> it's, it it's working. It works. What uh, what are you doing for the fasting? Are you doing a sixteen hour fast or eighteen hours, twenty hours? I've been trying to do like twelve mm-hmm. and twelve. Anything more than that's a little tough. Yeah, uh, just because of how much training I'm doing. Like Monday, I did a wrestling session at ten thirty, and it was hard, man. We we had some crazy rounds, and uh, myself and Marab were in the middle. Marab was fighting May fourth in Ottawa, Canada. And uh, he fights on my way also. Him and Ally Quinto are fighting on that card. So we just went through a, a gauntlet of a wrestling workout. And then later that night, we did another gauntlet um, of, of wrestling again. So just doing a session like that, when you, I woke up this morning and it just felt like my body just had, like, people, it felt like people tied weights to me and threw me in the water. Like, that's how it felt. It felt like it was just so heavy to get up. And that's when you know you're, you're really pushing your body and pushing the limits. And, uh, yeah, so I got to make sure I'm, I'm giving my body enough fuel, enough rest. Um, but I'm doing tough sessions like that. So 
it's tough to do any longer than that. I mean, I probably can do it. It'd probably just be a little bit of mental toughness, but I think my body definitely, after breaking it down that much, you got to put something in it. You can't have it depleted for too long. This might Plus, five weeks. Yeah, this is going to sound a little silly. So I do my research on you. You're 17 and three, ranked third, UFC bantamweight. And I have a ton of UFC fighters come on the boxers, but I'm not the biggest UFC follower. I'll watch it when it's on, but I don't know it. My partner is obsessed with it. Why isn't there a bantamweight champion? You go on the UFC site, and there's a champion in every single division. I'm scrolling now, except bantamweight. Why is that? (laughs) Oh, man. Because I I heard TJ Dillafraud was uh, taking some EPOs. Oh, is that so someone got, like, the belt taken from them? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, I thought you were serious. No, 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 no. I'm not bullshitting no. you. No, no, no. I, I, I watch it, and I can tell you every stat of every player in baseball, basketball, football, uh, soccer, uh, boxing, UFC I watch. I don't know. Like, I don't go crazy for it. So I'm actually looking at the site now, and I see a featherweight champion's Holloway, flyweight champion, and I'm looking, and it says bantamweight. There's no champion. I actually don't know the reason why. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, t- I... I've I've been taking some of the names that the the fans have been giving me T J Pillashaw and T J Dillafraud. <laughs> um, yeah, man, he he finally copped out. He finally admitted it on his social media. Did like a whole um, public service announcement of uh, admitting it. But the one thing I didn't like that he didn't do. He didn't apologize to any of his opponents. He didn't say he didn't specify how long he's been doing it. He just said, you know, I got caught cheating. I messed up. He got caught. He. So he's more so upset that he got caught cheating. He's not really mm. upset that he separated guys from the consciousness. He, he, he piss-pounded a lot of guys. He altered a lot of careers. And it's hard to know or hard to say or believe how long he's actually been on that type of stuff. And it's the injectable EPO. It's the one you have to put needles oh. in, your, in your body in order to take it. So um, it's been rumblings, rumors that we've been hearing, at least I've been hearing. Uh-huh in the MMA community for a very, very long time, and he vacated the belt, and now Henry Ciudo is, is challenging Marlon Marais for the vacant title. And hopefully, fingers crossed, knock on wood, you win, you might get the winner of that fight. Yeah, for sure. So that's, that's what we're aiming for. I just got to make sure I go out there, have a good performance, or the UFC will try to find a way to uh, make the most interesting fight, um, which is pretty much their... Uh, their MO at this, this these day and age is that's just what they do these day and age. You were on TMZ because you came on my Twitter feed calling out Dana White. Is there any feedback to that? Does he hit you up like privately like enough or they kind of encourage that, right? Um, what was I calling him out for? I don't know. <laughs> Didn't you say something? On T- no, I actually don't know. I know uh, I Googled you and it was like uh, Sterling calls out Dana White or Sterling's on TMZ. Oh, okay. It's I think it was to to uh, campaign for that title fight. Okay, okay, okay. And you, um, and you don't get any ba- uh, feedback from that. Like, he doesn't get pissed or anything, right? Nah, you know, it's, I let my manager handle that type of stuff. But, uh, yeah, I didn't I didn't hear anything back. I, but I did text Sean Shelby, my matchmaker for my weight class, and I told him, I was like, listen, man, you let me know when I got to go. If, if you guys decide to, to go with me, I'm, I'll be ready. Just, just tell me when, and I'll make sure we start the fight preparations right away. But, uh, I was already training. I was down in Hawaii, and uh, for the most part, I was down there training. So it wasn't too. It wouldn't have been too big of a, a risk for me to to take a short notice fight, just because I was already in pretty good shape. I was already doing three five minute rounds back to back to back, and 
that's the hard part, being able to have that conditioning to go those three fives and then some, especially if you're going to take a, a short notice title fight. Five, five minute rounds, man. So 25 minutes is a long time to be oh, out there fighting. Oh, God. We, I always say on this show, you lie to women and you lie to children, never to friends. You never lie to your boys. How often do you check the rankings? Uh, not very often, man. I used to check it um, when I was on the regional circuit a lot to see how, how I was moving up in the, the MMA matrix. I don't know how that stuff really even works. It's a <laughs> real complicated system algorithm that they have. But uh, outside of that, with the UFC rankings, I, you know, I got to a point where I, it was nice to see when I was ranked fourth in the world, um, right before I fought Caraway. And after that, I kind of just stopped caring about it. Just at that point, I was just focused on just the fight, man. Just trying to get your hand raised and just getting better. Because at the end of the day, rankings don't mean anything. The UFC can slide whoever they want to that number one contender spot fight or that slot and do whatever they want. I mean, I know they say they got panelists who contribute to that, but it really doesn't mean anything. I'm always intrigued by nicknames of boxers and fighters. How did you get the nickname Funk? Uh, was it Funkmaster? How did you get the nickname? Uh, through my wrestling background, you know, a lot of the stuff I did was super unorthodox. I didn't know how to sprawl. I didn't even know how to take a proper penetration step for for a shot. And a lot of my defense came from just scrambling and just doing weird stuff, and it worked out for me. And even in big matches, helped me become a two-time All-American. Um, my teammates would also say, like, dude, man, you're, like, one of the hardest scrambly, funky persons, people they are to wrestle in the room. You're the, you're the most annoying guy to, to, to shoot on because you always do something weird. And we were coming up with nicknames, and uh, I mimicked a lot of my style off of Ben Ashburn, and I didn't want to take his nickname, uh, Ben Funky Ashburn. <laughs> so we brainstormed a little bit more, and we came up with the Funk Master, and we threw out a couple of names, and that was the name my friends thought uh, had the best ring to it. You keep bringing up your wrestling background stuff in Long Island. I know you went to college for it. Was it always mixed martial arts, UFC, or bust, or was there another option for Sterling if he doesn't go that fighting route? Ah, I don't know. I don't know. It's um. I don't know if it would be a positive thing, a positive route that I would have went, just with my background, my history, and my family. It's just been my family's a little wacky, man. It's, uh, <laughs> pretty all over the place. But fortunately for me, wrestling, wrestling kind of found me. And even though I denied it a couple of times as a freshman. My friend stayed on me, and, and the high school coach stayed on me, and I got involved. I got cut from the basketball team after the first day. I made the first day of trials. The second day, I didn't make it to, to the final cut, and uh, I just started wrestling, went down to the room, fell in love with the sport. I think I would have been going down the wrong path, hanging out with my brothers and some of their friends that were involved in gangs and things like that. So uh, I had I had two very different road choices that I could have taken in terms of where my life would have been. And I, I like to say I made the right choice. I would think so. My boys are insane fans of you, of UFC. I tell them you're coming on, and the first thing they said to me is, I actually wrote down, ask him about his submission against Cody Stammen? Damon, yeah, yeah. What makes that so special? Because two of them separately said that it was like the sickest submission ever. Um, Zabit and I actually hit the same submission the same night, except mine was over a top 10 opponent and it wasn't a short notice fight. Um, and 
the difference was my submission, it was supposed to look like the beat, where it's called the Soyulep, I can't even say that guy's name, Soyulep <laughs> Stretch. Okay. Some Russian, I think it's some Russian guy. Um, and it stretches out the hamstring, like, really, really bad to the point where it feels like the, the muscle is going to rip and detach right off the bone. And that's what I was looking for, to try to maintain that back control position. But when Cody stood up the second time, he was a powerful wrestler, man. So for me to keep him down, I needed to, to innovate a little bit. And I grabbed the leg. I pushed him over at an angle. And all the weight came and collapsed on the uh, LCL ligament. And as soon as we hit the, mo- the mat, it just – not even the mat, the canvas just popped. And uh, I heard it. And as soon as that happened, he, he tapped right away and kind of slapped me. <laughs> And uh, that was the fight, but it, it's, it's really to maintain back control, but you'll get some guys who are stubborn and really try to hold on to that position and you stretch them all the way out. Next thing you know, their, their kneecap is touching their, touching their nose and uh, not very fun to be in that. You have your own podcast, The Weekly Scraps. I think you're up, so, up to episode like 20 or so. Do you like doing it? I do. It's it's fun. I just like breaking down the fight. You know, I I did it on Twitter. Mm-hmm. I, I do like a play by play whenever I get the chance to watch the fights from beginning to end or whatever fights I'm watching. In between rounds, I'll talk about what's happening and give some insights to uh, the techniques and things like that. And then I had some people just constantly tell me on Twitter to start a podcast, and then, uh, I don't know. I wasn't really into it because I felt it would have been too time consuming. But then I, I did it. I was like, you know what? If I keep this to an hour, hour and 15, it, it wouldn't be too bad. And it's been fun, you know? I think it's been helping me break down the technique a little bit more as well and really makes me have to pay attention to what's actually going on. And some of the stuff I actually take with me and I'll go try it in, in training and see how some of the stuff that I watch, how it actually works out and works for my game overall. All right, we're going to do a quick few hits to wrap this up. Sound good? Yeah, that's cool. One discipline or aspect of fighting you want to improve in? You know, if there's anything I would want to improve in, it would be the in the in the pocket, actually the phone booth pocket, Mike Tyson style, just doing that peekaboo and being able to rip the uppercuts on the inside, rip the body, rip the hooks as you're bobbing and weaving with that peekaboo style. And just loading up each time you weave and you 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 slip out, you you slide all the weight into your back foot and come back with massive power on your back leg or massive weight on the front leg and then you got massive power on that front leg punch. It's just so many different details that goes into that. It's a, it's a tough thing to 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 work on because one you don't want to be piss pounding the crap out of your partner, <laughs> beating the crap out of each other, or you getting your your belt wrong too much, but. You you can figure out a happy medium way to kind of drill it and train it, but if you get hit on the chin and your head keeps getting popped up, taking a lot of unnecessary shots because you don't really need to take just trying to do a drill. So uh, that's definitely something I think I I would like to improve on. I think it would be a nice addition to uh, to my fight style. You and I are at a bar. No one cares about your UFC career. No one cares how good looking I am. Who's the coolest person? <laughs> who's the coolest person in your phone? That if you texted them, they would text you right back. The coolest person in my phone that would text me right back. Um, that would text me right back. I mean, I got some cool people, but that would text me right back. I gotta go with Ally Quinta. 
Uh, that's, that's actually a really good an- that's a really good answer. Where did you get the gold rope chain from? Uh, that's just a tribute to my my childhood upbringings. My dad used to wear these big gold chains like that. Um, he had a big rope chain, and he used to have these ridiculous big pennants that were, I want to say they were like five by fives, maybe even six by six. Um, I got to look back at the pictures. Um, and he would just be styling and profiling, man. He would get us little, he got us all little chains. And uh, I forgot whatever happened to mine. I had like an eagle and the one of the wings broke. And I, you know, that was just always one of the things we had. We had rings, little bracelets, and we, my, I guess my parents just loved gold and that 80s, 90s era. That was kind of the, the end thing. And that's kind of the era I grew up in the, the cash money, bling, bling. And, uh, yeah, I felt like that would be a cool thing because I used to rock the high top when I was a young kid all the time. That, <laughs> that small part in my head. And, uh, yeah, throwback. Dumbest, everyday throwback. Dumbest thing you purchased so far that after you bought it, you're like, what the fuck did I buy this for? Um, Dumbest thing so far? I mean, I bought a lot of dumb stuff. <laughs> it just collects dust. Um, I'm trying to think of something right now. Well, I bought this board thinking that I was going to do, like, the shelving in my garage, and I had yet it has yet to move, and that was, like, recent. I bought a uh, gimbal. I have taken it out of the box twice. I have yet to use it. Um, what else have I bought? I bought, a lot, I bought a lot of dumb stuff. I bought a whole paint set. I probably did, like, this one ceiling, and then I hired somebody to do the rest, and it was just... I bought a lot of dumb things that I just kind of wasted money, but uh, I don't know. You fight at one thirty-five. What do you walk around usually? What do you? What's your weight normal? Uh this morning I was one fifty-eight, but yesterday I was about one sixty-three. Um, if I'm not training, man, I'm easily sixty-three, sixty-five. I'm eating everything in sight, but once I start training, I can slowly get down to my wake-up weight around 60 to 62 Mm -hmm. and then you know i do my small adjustments from there on out wow not involving you give me one dream fight for the ufc right now one fight that you would love to see right now like that i would like to see uh that would be i think an instant classic would be like a Ally Quinta versus Nate Diaz. I think mm-hmm. that would be insane. Just two dudes that just no one's going to back down from anybody. Um, and another one, I, th- I actually want to see Khabib versus Justin Gaethje. I think that would be a, a crazy fight. And I think Gaethje might be the guy who has the the uh, the toughness and the wrestling ability in terms of scrambling and being able to get back up to the to his feet. That can uh, give some pushback, not even some pushback. Give back, give more pushback to uh, a Khabib style fighter. Cutting weight wise, if you're, if you, what do you, what's your last secret to do the cutting weight? I have a lot of boxes on. They say they'll drink like a gallon of water for like four or five days in a row, and then like no water for a day. Well, what's your secret to cutting weight? It's something similar to that. I've done that style of weight cutting, which we call water loading, and it was the most miserable experience ever. Each gallon is about eight and a half um, pounds of water. And by the time you even finish the gallon, some guys are doing two gallons a day. You're just pissing all throughout the night. And then 
you don't you don't really get to sleep. So I've cut that method out, and I try to get as close to a gallon as I can throughout the day, and just stay as hydrated as I possibly can. In those last two days, I uh, I tried to cut out the water as much as I can, and then that last day I cut out all water and I get in the hot tub, and I try to do the hot tub at night or early in the morning. This way, as soon as I dehydrate, I step right on the scale, and I can put the fluids back in me. And this way, you have the the least amount of a negative effect on the on the body, as opposed to some guys who cut all that drastic water the day before. Three wins in a row. You're on this spectacular, you know this, meteorotic rise to the top of your division. You're really a rising star. You got to promise me you don't go Hollywood on me. I'm serious, okay? <laughs> uh, I don't, I'm not a Hollywood guy. All right, because I, I, I drop his name every time. When I start doing the show, I'm, are you a boxing fan? Uh, I mean, it's hard to keep up with, but the guys I do know, I, I follow. Marcus Brown, one of the... He's one of the t- he's undefeated. One of the, he's gonna get a, a title fight. He comes on. He never had a fight, and we have like a good time. He was going to fight in the Olympics. He loses, but he's still like, I'm like, dude, you're gonna be the guy. I'm like, listen, this is like four years ago. I'm like, eventually my podcast will get big. You're gonna be big, and well, dude, I promise you. I text him now. He hasn't written back since he got big. So don't go Hollywood on me, all right? <laughs> Damn, that's cold. <laughs> hey, listen, I wanted to do this live. You want to know the reason I wanted it? Because I wanted a shirt, but I don't want to pay for it. Now you're going to make me go on your website. So plug the website because you, sh- you have sick hats, all different colors, shirts, men, women. Tell everybody where they can get a shirt since you won't send me one. <laughs> uh, you guys can go to aljermainsterling.com, and uh, I got some of my, my gear on there. I'm working on some new stuff right now. I'm trying to do something like a, you know, the red stripe bottles in Jamaica. Of course, yeah. I'm trying to do like, yeah, something similar to that, like layout and design, and put a little, a little funk on it, a little funk twist. <laughs> Listen, June eighth for real, man. Good luck. And then here's the deal. I'll make. I promise with you. I'm gonna be away on vacation June eighth, though. I'm actually getting back June 9th. I know you can. You'll decompress sometime the end of June, early July. Sign of the cross, knock on wood, you win. I'll come out to Long Island, I'll bring a shitload of chocolate, I'll bring some beer, we'll bring Bermudez, and we'll finally do this live, all right? <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. Hey, this was an absolute pleasure, man. Good luck training, good luck with the podcast, keep doing your thing. Man, you're really an inspiration, man. Have a great day. Thank you, I appreciate it.